right. Welcome to another episode. We are going to be recapping the conference championship games, and then we'll use the rest of the time to talk about the QB, head coaching, uh, you know, offensive coordinator carousel, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of hires going on right now, but definitely want to focus on the conference championship to start. We're joined by the OG squad, Preston and Gledhill. Gledhill, I see you over there. What's up, man? Welcome back. Yeah, happy to be back. Um, yeah, first Sunday without football since like August, so it's kind of weird. I've been used to just getting up and, and turning, you know, finishing a long run or something and then turning on the Sunday ticket for like the whole day and just sitting on the couch and watching. But today has definitely been a little bit boring, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's like it's like always a weird time of year because you're like, you're so excited because it's the biggest game of the year, but it's also the last game of the year. So you're kind of looking forward to it, but you're also, it's also bittersweet because there's going to be no football for another, whatever, seven months or something. But this is, I mean, this is honestly the best matchup we could ask for. Um, just kind of taking a quick look at it. I mean, I guess you could say Bengals-Eagles would be a pretty good game too. But I, I don't think anybody really wanted to see Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl this year. I think I think this is, this is the team from the NFC we wanted to see, Philadelphia Eagles. We want to see them go up against the potential dynasty I guess they're already an AFC dynasty making five straight AFC championships, but potential, you know, everyone's going to measure them against the the Patriots of the early 2000s. You know, how many Super Bowls can they win? Um, I don't think we'll ever see that again, but I mean, the, the Chiefs are are that, you know, premier team nowadays. And, uh, you know, the Eagles might be the best team this year. I know there's that narrative that's starting to come out right now about how the, the Chiefs are kind of the most battle tested team. And, you know, they've kind of been through some really tough games during the regular season and then in the playoffs and, and Mahomes has been hurt and he's bounced back and they've been through some really tough battles and overcome them. And the, the Eagles have kind of rolled their way through uh, the NFC and are kind of here, you know, and, and maybe they haven't gone through the, the battles that the Chiefs have. So I know that's kind of a narrative that's emerged, but I think this game's going to be great. And uh, I think there's just so much to look forward to. Yeah. And Gladwell, I know you were mentioning that, you know, first Sunday without football since what, August? I have to ask you, any point this weekend, did you watch any of the Pro Bowl skills games or not? Nah, were you just like, nah, screw that? No, I saw highlights on Twitter and stuff. I saw CD Lamb catch a touchdown from uh, Geno Smith. I saw uh, George Kittle walking past. Oh, the dude with the, the zip the pants. With the, yeah, um, that was funny. He was like, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, Yo, that Kittle's, was trippy. Kittle's great. Um, you know, I saw that I saw an interview with uh, RG three was interviewing Pete Davidson on the sidelines, like just a little twenty second clip. But I didn't like turn it on and watch it for an extended period. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw uh, the the craziest thing I saw from that was uh, Jalen Ramsey absolutely like legit put a hit stick tackle on Tyreek Hill on the sideline. That was kind of funny. He didn't obviously it was unintentional, or maybe it wasn't, but I thought that was funny that uh, flag football game you see something like that happen. It's crazy. Preston, uh, I know you were you were a little bit more into the uh, skills challenge than probably Gledhill was, and maybe me. So did you did you watch any of it or uh, just glimpses here and there? My family had it on in the living room all day today. I caught some of the Pro Bowl. You know, I I found the the new Pro Bowl format to be you know not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but the refs need to learn the rules a little bit better. <laughs> Felt like that was a, a bit of an issue and. If the NFL adjusts a few rules, then it can make for a very competitive and safe game. Yeah. I'm all for them watching, you know, and having skills challenge and watching them have fun. That's always a good thing. I would like them to do more challenges like 
if I could see, like, I was, I was talking to you about this in the other group chat that we're in, Preston. I was saying, if there's like a farthest, you know, who has the strongest arm type challenge? Like, if I could see like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, see who could chunk the ball the farthest downfield, that'd be awesome. And obviously, yeah. you, ha- you have teams that make the Super Bowl, but I think like, if there was a time where like, maybe like, I don't know, maybe after the Super Bowl or like at the end of the year, you can have everybody can participate and you can have like the best of the best go at it and have those type of challenges because the season will be over and you don't have to prepare for anything. So I'm all for that. Uh, but yeah, definitely glad that they got away from the the game because the game was basically almost a flag football game itself because the tackling and everything was just a joke at this point. It was like, what's the point of them even playing f- you know, a full game if they're not even trying and they're not even tackling or any, you know. Uh, yeah. But- With something like a longest throw challenge and I don't know, something like most balls caught without a drop or something, like as far as like, uh, yeah. you know, you see like the punts up in the air where they, you'll, uh, you'll have one guy try to catch like four balls in his hands or five balls in his hands. Or how about one-on-ones? How about like a DB versus wide receiver one-on-one and a QB like throws in the back of the end zone and you got to get like a certain amount of catches. Yeah. Something you can build the, uh, record books on. So that way people would see like, you know, Oh, like see if he breaks the record this year or something like that. Like farthest throw, farthest punt competition, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Doing like, like long, the, long field goals. I actually like the the kick tack toe thing. I think that's pretty fun. Yeah. No, they, I mean, they definitely have some things to watch, but in the past, it was just, you know, you do it on the, what they have it on the Friday and Saturday, nobody would watch it. And then it would just be the game and nobody would watch the game. The so, passing so. thing that they they have is pretty cool too. Derek Carr crushed that. Yeah. The precision passing. Excitement. Yeah. Gladhill, what did you think about his comments about? Gladhill's going to be watching that tonight before he goes to bed. <laughs> did you just comment about, uh, that's why they, that's why they, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see any of that, that passing challenge or anything, but um, no, I, I like it. There's definitely an edge to him there. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like, I like the comment, you know, maybe that's why they, they let go of me or whatever. I think it's good. That's a good spirit type. That That's a good attitude to have, especially when you know you're out of yeah. there too. What I yeah. want to know is Devonte Adams, man. Devonte Adams was so adamant about Derek Carr coming to LA this year, playing with his old teammate, and then now he doesn't even care about him. It's like, oh, where's Aaron Rodgers? Where's my Where's my guy at? And now he's trying to recruit him to uh, Las Vegas. It's like, man, dang, you already gave up on your boy just like that. We all know Derek Carr wasn't the main issue. He's just a scapegoat. Oh yeah, for sure, hundred percent. And I think wherever he goes, he's gonna be an instant upgrade for them. And my first thought when Tom Brady retired, weirdly, was, man, Josh McDaniels isn't going to get his guy now <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it felt like that was the plan. It felt like that was going to happen. Like Tom Brady's going to Las Vegas. Somehow, some way, they're going to reunite. Yeah. Um, Knock on wood, Gledhill. If I, I do not want to see that happen, bro. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I, I, there's no way he's, he does that again and comes back. I, I'd, bro, I'd, he's get, like one or two months from now. After not being able to like reconnect with his family or whatever, he's gonna be like, "The hell am I supposed to do now?" And you know, maybe he's seeing some girl, and that girl ends up annoying the crap out of him. He's like, "Screw it, I'm gonna go play another season. Let me go to Vegas." Yeah, I don't. <sighs> That's what I'm I saying, bro. I'm not buying the retirement until quiet. it happens. No, I'm buying it. Not, I'm buying yeah, it. He dude, not stayed, until we get to like quiet right now, bro. He wouldn't have announced anything. That's he true. Announced last year, bro. Like he knows better than to announce it again and then come back again. He doesn't want to be like the next Brett Favre. I've heard a lot of people uh, on TikTok like they've been saying that they think that Tom Brady 
The only reason he and he came back this year was because Adam Schefter blue balled him into retirement. So he said to try to prove a point, he came back and did it on his own terms, which I guess I could see like that scenario. But at the same time, like, why would he go through all that trouble with his family just to not retire? Just to like, like, oh, I'm going to retire, leaked out. And then, oh, actually, no, I'm coming back. No, come on now. I don't buy it. You know, Tom Brady is a, you know, obviously a legend, the greatest of all time. And whatever he decides to do, I'll respect it. But at the same time, I'm always, I hope he stays retired because he will end his NFL career with having a playoff loss to the Dallas Cowboys after the Cowboys were never able to beat him. So, hey, look, I've never seen a Super Bowl in my life. I've never seen an NFC Championship appearance in my life. So let me at least have that as a Cowboys fan. Have that banner of beating Tom Brady in his last game in the playoffs. Just let us have that moment. Uh, But it was interesting. I saw some of the odds. I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was, I think it was Sportsline or FanDuel or something. One of them had like the, uh, the odds that what team Tom Brady would go to if he didn't retire. And this was like right after they lost to the Cowboys and Las Vegas was the, uh, the biggest favorite for him to go. It was over returning to Tampa Bay. Uh, you also had the jets up there, the 49ers, the Titans, a Patriots reunion, but that was like plus 900. That was like, not even, you know, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was far fetched. Uh, Miami was there. Indianapolis, and then the last team on there, believe it or not, Baltimore. So those are the teams in the running there. Yeah. Weird. Uh, so yeah, Tom Brady's retired. We'll, we'll get on into more of the QB carousel and the coaching carousel here in a second. But first, let's go ahead and get back to last week. We had two conference championship games. We'll start with the Eagles and the 49ers. Now, this was a game that, honestly, anticlimactic, Gledhill. We'll start with you on this one. You know, I, I know last week you were saying that even though this might not have been the best QB matchup between Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy, you were still excited about both these teams, you know, the number one offense versus the number one defense. So it's got to be a little disappointing the way it turned out, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I knew it. I had, I had a weird feeling like three minutes into the game. Like I just, something doesn't feel right watching this game. I just, I don't know what it was, but I, all of a sudden I was like not in the mood to watch it. And the then the were blocking the edge, bro. Yeah. And then I, and then I come back maybe 10 minutes later and it's like, I think the Eagles were up 14 or something. And I just kind of, I put the game away and I'm like, I'm not watching this. Like it's, it's over. I, I saw Brock Purdy was hurt. Um, so I, I actually didn't end up watching like that much of the game at all. And um, definitely, yeah, definitely disappointing. Um, see it, you know, see it turn out that way, but um, you know, really happy for the Eagles. Uh, I can, I, you know, I can definitely root for Jalen hurts, even though I, it's impossible to root for the Eagles as a Cowboys fan. And I, you know, he didn't have a huge impact in that game, but they, they just, they just thoroughly dominated. And I don't know. I don't, I don't have any, any reactions other than, you know, you, you question going into this game, the Eagles, like, okay, they, they had two really easy games where everything kind of went right for them. And I think I don't love anybody arguing that, okay, like the Eagles aren't battle tested. The Eagles, you know, they, they are going to be, you know, ready for a really close game in the Super Bowl. But in a way, like, that could be true in some sense that like, okay, what are they going to be ready for when they, when they go up against the chiefs and, and it is going to be a close game. And, you know, maybe they're, they are down in the fourth quarter and Jalen hurts us to make some plays. Um, I'd still bet on Jalen hurts in that situation, but um, I, I could maybe understand that narrative kind of coming out. Well, I'm going to talk about it last because I have to go on a little bit of a rant. So Preston, you can go ahead and get your thoughts out of the way. Yeah, this game very unfortunate. 
But at the end of the day, 49ers didn't prepare properly. They they did not block what was uh, Hassan Reddick off the edge at all. And he got to Brock Purdy multiple times in the first half. So your quarterback got hurt. You want to cry about it? It's your guys' fault. Literally, bro. You did not block off the edge at all. All your tight end has to do is chip before he goes out for his route. And, and y'all didn't do any of that. And y'all, you didn't even have George Kittle doing it. You had your, your secondary tight end helping out there. It just was terrible game planning. They were not ready for that pass rush at all. And it ended up costing them. And that's why they lost the game. It was, you know, nothing for them to cry about except for crying to themselves because you know what? You guys didn't prepare properly. Okay. So let me start off before I go on this rant. Let me start off by saying, yes. Losing Brock Purdy does change how the game went. Okay. Yes. Maybe they don't lose 31 to seven, right? You know, Brock Purdy provides more offense, obviously, than Josh or Josh Johnson would have, right? Like, and yes, hindsight, you're looking on paper. Yes. The Eagles probably did have one of the easier paths to the Super Bowl because of the circumstances, because of the circumstances, but they took care of business. They did what they needed to do, right? Like you only play who's in front of you and they didn't ask for Brock Purdy to get hurt. They didn't ask for the Giants to be frauds. (laughs) Like, they didn't ask for that. They were the better team than both teams, and they won, fair and square. My rant is, I'm so tired of, like, the 49ers, like, making all these excuses, right? Like, how that, the game would have been so much different if Brock Purdy had played. Really? You guys lost 31-7. to You guys lost 31-7, to and Jalen Hurts, a lot of people have been hating on Jalen Hurts, and this is where I'm going to come and defend Jalen Hurts. And and guys, keep in mind, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I should I should be trying to make excuses for the 49ers, but I'm not going to because I'm a football fan at the end of the day, too. Jalen Hurts was 15 for 25, 121 passing yards. He did that little, that little on offense, and they won 31 to 7. Do you know how freaking scary that is? He had to do that little for them to win by that much against that team with that roster. They were playing conservative offense and they still put up 31 points. Exactly. They, they had no reason to be aggressive. It was smart. Exactly. Yes, it shouldn't have been that bad. I, I agree. The Eagles got away with some stuff like that Devontae Smith uh, catch at the beginning of the game. Great throw by Jalen Hurts, by the way. Great that's adjustment. The Niners for not challenging. You got Exactly. Challenge. Kyle Shanahan, you know better than that. In that situation, why didn't you challenge it? You could have you took seven off the board right there. That was fourth down. Boom, right there. Uh, they had the only touchdown they had was that McCaffrey run, which was insane. That was that was really awesome. And I get it. The 49ers couldn't run any type of offense once Purdy went down. They had McCaffrey, you know, go out and wildcat and throw, you know, they were just doing pitch plays. They were not moving the ball downfield. Like there was a point where they knew they couldn't move the ball downfield. So they were just kind of going through the motions and they kind of already gave up. So that's where that's where you can't come in and say, oh, well, the Eagles would have lost if Purdy would have been healthy the whole game, really? Because it's not the Eagles' fault that they didn't protect Brock Purdy and Hassan Reddick got to the quarterback and hurt his elbow, right? And now Brock Purdy's going to be out, what, they said like six to nine months? Like, it's apparently a really bad injury. And the 49ers are in a situation where you got Trey Lance coming off an injury, you got Jimmy G coming off an injury, but Jimmy G's, they already said he's not going to come back next year. You can bank on him leaving. So you're between Brock Purdy and... Trey Lance as your next year quarterbacks, that's going to be some decisions you have to make. But onto this game, like based on your quarterback going down, what I saw from that is you had really no intent of winning that game once he went down because you you didn't even, it feel like you didn't even try to win the game. Like you just kind of gave up when it got too bad. And 
there was a lot of penalties. I get it. There was some pretty bad officiating. There was a drive that the Eagles had where they weren't doing anything but just running, but they kept getting down the field because the 49ers just kept shooting themselves in the foot with penalties. And some of the penalties were bad. I get that. And yes, it was a hard game to watch. But saying that the 49ers, because Brock Purdy like would have stayed in the game, they would have won, that's that's a premature take, in my opinion. They they got outclassed, they got beat, and Purdy got yeah, keep in mind. Purdy got hurt is unfortunate, but how did Purdy get hurt? Because they didn't protect him. Hassan Reddick went to go Basically make a play. Untouched off the edge. Exactly. Twice. Exactly. So stop making excuses. And, and even uh, Brandon Ayuk, who's been one of my favorite players to watch this year, today on a podcast, he was saying that. Yeah, hypothetically speaking, if I were going to bet on this game, I would go take everything that I own, get it in cash, and put my money on Kansas City Chiefs. Like I said, I'm not going to talk about Philly, but I was talking shit to, to Cowboys players who were talking about us. I'm sitting on the couch. I had no room to talk about nobody playing next week. So, but like I said, I got the Kings. I got I got the Chiefs. I think uh they got their hands full. I don't know. I don't know um fully about that defense. Um, I don't know. I, they talk about them being a good defense. I'm not too sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think. The, I think the pass game, um, this Kansas City pass game will. Uh, expose what we thought we were going to be able to expose um, before some unfortunate circumstances happen. So we'll see. Just making all these excuses, man. Like at the end of the day, you sound salty. You lost the game. Move on. You weren't the better team. If you were the better team, y'all would have made it close, but y'all didn't make it close. Y'all lost 31 to seven. I don't want to hear anything about it. You know, shit all you want on Jalen Hurts. Don't give him credit for this game. I don't care. The fact that he threw 121 passing yards and they blew them out 31 to seven. That's a scary team to play. So that's all I wanted to say. Uh, did you guys have anything else to say? Because if not, we can move on to the Chiefs and Bengals. No, I'm done with the 49ers. Nope. All right, there we go. Let's move on. Now, let's go back to the game that I thought was a really good game, a lot better than this game, but worse officiating. Bengals, Chiefs, and Preston, we'll start with you on this one. You know, yes, there was a, a lot of bad officiating. You could, you know, Kansas City having, an, a, what, a third down two times in a row on that one drive. Uh, when they got the uh, punt return on the last drive to go win the game, there was an illegal block in the back that they missed. They could have called that. Uh, just some bad officiating on that side. But, you know, the biggest penalty of them all was when the Bengals linebacker decided to shove Mahomes as he was running out of bounds, and it was clear blatant uh, roughing the passer. But before uh, that, the the extra down, too. And the extra down, yes, I brought that up. Uh, but also, you could argue on that play that there was a holding, too, on the Chiefs uh, by Orlando Brown. He was also holding, I think it was Trey Hendrickson on the outside when Mahomes was scrambling out. So, have to ask you about that, Preston. Some really bad officiating. Do you think that people making the excuse that that one penalty on Mahomes at the end should have been outweighed by the other penalties? Or, or how do you how do you look at that scenario? The way I view the game as a whole is Joe Burrow had a chance to go drive down the field and win the game, and he didn't. So at the end of the day, you know, you had your opportunity and you didn't take advantage of it. And then as far as the the late out of bounds hit, yeah, it was a late out of bounds hit. That's the right call. They're going to call that every single time. It's unfortunate that it happens. He's just making a hustle play, um, but it was on the quarterback. Like, kudos to Mahomes for... <laughs> you know, hopping on that leg basically to get that first down. That was insane. But yeah, that, that loss is on the Bengals 100%. And they didn't take advantage of it when they had the, uh, they had a chance to go down and drive down the field to win the game with like two minutes left. 
Yeah, I forgot to, and I, I made a minor mistake. Joseph uh, Asia, I think that's how you say it. He's a defensive end, not linebacker. Defensive end for the Bengals. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you, Preston. I think there was some very bad calls in that game, but the biggest penalty of them all was that one out of bounds. And it was it was blatant. So, you know, you can't defend that. You can't say that, oh, you know, in that moment, you can't throw that flat. Yes, you can. Like, it's that was a clear late hit out of bounds, right? You can't do that. Yeah, and, and we all knew the game was going to come down to whoever had the ball last. And, you know, I thought that that interception that Joe threw in the fourth quarter, I was like, okay, now they're going to get the ball last. And they had the ball, but then what? They only got a couple first downs and then had to punt it back to the Chiefs. Yeah. So, you know, two minutes left in the game, you have an opportunity to drive down the field, run the clock out, and not give Mahomes any time. They had plenty of opportunities. There was a lot of bad penalties, maybe some crucial ones, but the Bengals had chances to win that game and they didn't come up when it mattered. And Mahomes did. And Mahomes did it while he was limited too. You know, keep in mind he was injured. And you have to keep in mind that the the Bengals were getting outplayed the whole game. It's not like it was a scenario where the Bengals were leading and then the Chiefs came back and they had some bad penalties breathing them back. No, the Chiefs were winning that game for the majority of the game. They had control. Yeah. Joe wasn't Joe wasn't playing insane. The Chiefs defense um played really well for themselves. Yeah. Chris, no, Chris Jones had a monster game. Uh he was honest, pro- he was probably the MVP of the game, Chris Jones. Uh sacking Burrow multiple times late in the fourth quarter to set up some punts and and set up even a pick. So Got to give credit to uh, Chris Jones. He he was the MVP of that of that team for sure, in my opinion. How about their, how about their cornerbacks too? They, yeah, they have like three rookies in the defensive backfield. Like you know that were they were, ended up coming up with two picks. I think yeah, maybe the over, oh, the overarching. I guess the overarching thing I, I feel about the Chiefs right now is it, it's odd. Usually the team that you you call like the next dynasty team, usually they're the team that everybody roots against. And that's kind of the case case with the Chiefs, but there's also like they don't feel like the evil empire, sort of like the Patriots did. Like the, the Chiefs feel like a team that you know it, they're they're easy to root for. Like Mahomes is kind of this underdog. I mean, he's not. I mean, obviously he's incredibly talented, and, and he's the best quarterback in the league um, by when we saw in that game a, a wide margin right now. But you know the, the fact that he came into this league a little bit overlooked because he came from the, the air raid offense and. And, uh, you know, not a ton of big 12 quarterbacks in those, in those big air raid offenses really have a ton of success in the, in the league. And there were questions about, you know, his decision making and, and you put him with Andy Reid and obviously his, his skill set, you know, it, you know, he maximizes his talent through Andy Reid. Um, you know, Andy Reid is a guy that everybody loves, easy to root for. Mahomes is pretty easy to root for. It, it, it is kind of weird, you know, that the, the Chiefs kind of felt like, the underdog in a sense, because of all this, everybody picking the chief, everybody picking the Bengals and the city of Cincinnati, you know, the, the mayor, call, you know, saying that they wanted to adopt Patrick Mahomes as Joe Burrow's child or something, or what was there? That's honestly why the Bengals or, lost the game. Or that was, that was, that was the paternity test or something. Yeah. The paternity um, test. Yeah. I remember, I remember looking at that thinking like, okay, like th- this is going to piss them off. I think. And I told y'all before the game, I was like, I, bro, I want to bet the Chiefs now because Bengals been talking all this crap, bro. You do not talk crap like that before a game. You just put it, more chips on the other team. They single-handedly made themselves the bad guy in the, in the span of yes, three days. For no reason. Yeah. They're literally yeah. the team, everybody was rooting for. Everybody them. was rooting for them. And they, yeah. Oh. It's like um, the Grizzlies, bro. 
Yeah, it's a team that's like the city that's not used to winning as much. And, you know, they're they're not used to having a team in the Super Bowl or contending for the Super Bowl every single year. That's Um, a great point. It's interesting. But I just felt like, okay, like when the Chiefs were about to win that game toward the end, I was like, okay, I was rooting for the Bengals. I love Joe Burrow, but I'm not mad that the Chiefs are going to win this game. You know, Patrick Mahomes is giving it his best effort out there. He's he played he's, his butt off. That huge yeah, that playing his butt off. He's carrying his team. You know, they got they got injuries on defense. You know, their their secondary yeah. stepping up big. Um, Andy Reid's easy to root for. Like I was like, okay, I'm I'm happy with this. And the whole thing about the referees, I honestly don't. You guys probably have know better than me all the the you know quote unquote bad calls that that happened in that game. Uh, I guess the ones that stick out to me were, were uh, I think there was that let late hit on Joe Burrow that wasn't called um, that honestly, yeah, I don't think it would have impacted the game that much. I think the bottom line is Joe Burrow threw two picks. One of them was really bad. The other one kind of a a tip ball, Um, but Mahomes played better and it it just felt like the chiefs were, I don't, I don't want to say they wanted it more, but they were, they were the team that was, they they kind of had all the, yeah, they kind of had all the energy. They kind of played with the chip on their shoulder. They wanted to go out and prove something. And, um, you know, they deserve to get it done. So uh, keep in mind the no Kelsey late in that game. Yeah. Banged yeah. up. Look, they won the game with their, they, they were down their best linebacker, best corner, top three receivers, uh, banged up tight end and Mahomes on one leg. Like there's no excuse. They won the game. Yeah. Bad calls, bad officiating. No doubt about it. League needs to fix that shit immediately, but they took advantage of Joe Burrow's mistakes and Joe Burrow. It's not like Joe Burrow didn't have a chance to win this game. He had plenty of chances to win this game. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, we'll obviously got to talk about the Super Bowl. We'll, we'll do a, a separate episode, just 30 minute episode focusing on that. So I guess one thing that I could say for the Super Bowl, but I do want to ask you, you boys right now, because I, since you know, we're on the topic of the, uh, of the game. Now that we have the matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles, are you more confident, and we, we don't have to go into detail about the game, but are y'all more confident that it's Patrick Mahomes that gets the opportunity to go take down this big and bad Philly roster? Or are you more concerned because Mahomes is limited with his ankle and is going into this game playing such a good roster in the Eagles? And maybe you would feel better if the Bengals in the hotter roster with Joe Burrow would have won that game. I think the ankle injury may have been a little overblown. I think... Uh, if you compare uh, Patrick Mahomes' ankle with Jalen Hurts' shoulder, I think Jalen Hurts' shoulder had the bigger impact this past Sunday. I think he was he was kind of missing on some throws. He he clearly didn't look one hundred percent there. Just kind of look, looking back at it, Giants. Yeah, so I, I I think Mahomes will be fine. Given you know, I, I think Jalen Hurts too will probably he'll be about as healthy as he could be. You know, the the, the training staff's going to take care of him, but and they get two um, weeks. Yeah, so I, I think Mahomes will be just fine. I think Jalen Hurts will be closer to fine. And uh, I'm not, you know, <laughs> you know Mahomes is not going to go down without a fight. So even if he's hurt in any ways, it's the last game of the year. They're pulling out all the stops. Like, you know, that, I don't think that's really, it really should be a concern. And, and the Chiefs have shown that they can, even with him not being the most mobile, um, they can still, you know, push the ball down the field. They can still, uh, Andy Reid can still, call the game, you know, and, and get certain guys involved. Like, I, I love that um, Isaiah Pacheco or whatever, he's been making big plays out of the backfield. So I think they'll, I think they'll find a way, you know, even if it's not 100%. <laughs> yeah. Preston, you got anything for that? Are you about on the same page there? Yeah, same page. 
Okay, so that's all we got for the NFC and AFC championship. Trying to think if we missed anything. Uh, mentioned Chris Jones production. And then we got the Super Bowl coming. Yeah, I think we honestly covered everything we need to. So let's go ahead and, and go into some of these QB and coaching carousels. Uh, and I guess we'll start with the big one right here. Broncos are getting Sean Payton from the Saints. And I mean, that had to be a trade. You know, the Saints were, they had to give up a first round pick to get him. The Broncos end up getting Sean Payton in the third for 2024. The Saints get a first round pick for this year and a second 2024. I think it worked out for the Saints getting a number one pick in uh, 2023 because they didn't have a pick. Remember, the Eagles have their first round pick this year. So hopefully that's good that they can get a first round pick back in exchange for Sean Payton. And Gladhill, we'll go right to you because I know you're a little higher on Sean Payton than maybe I am. So what, is, what does this mean for, for the Broncos moving forward. Obviously, it, it went to shit with Nathaniel Hackett and Russ started playing like himself towards the last few games of the season once Hackett got fired. So do you think this is a uh, something that Sean Payton can come in right away and fix Russell Wilson or is Russell Wilson kind of a lost cause? What do you think? I don't think you can call Russell Wilson a lost cause at all. Russell Wilson was having a ton of success from 2018 to 2021. Um you compare his numbers with some of the best quarterbacks in the league, you know, the Mahomeses and the, and the you know, Josh Allen the last couple of years um, after he kind of took off in 2020. I mean, he's right up there. You watch him on the field this year, the arm talent, you compare his arm talent to Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. It's not quite there. Yeah, he's not, he's, he doesn't have, he doesn't have quite the arm that those guys have, but there's no reason why he can't be a top 10 quarterback in the league again. And, you know, I, it just really you know comes down to can Russell Wilson kind of get over himself a little bit here? Like, it feels like the, the narrative around Russell Wilson has been he doesn't really relate well with his teammates. He kind of puts himself above his teammates. He has his own. He has, like, multiple parking lots in the stadium parking lot. He's got his own office. He's kind of, you know, the quarterback, but he's also, like, the way things are set up in that organization, he's kind of – he kind of established himself as, like, I'm above you guys. I'm, you know – he comes kind of comes across as a little bit cringy and, and maybe an ego maniac in a way. Um, and maybe the guys didn't like that. And it makes it worse when you have a rookie head coach who, you know, doesn't really know how to deal with a big ego. Like, yeah. Like, okay. He had Aaron Rodgers up in, up in green Bay, but he wasn't the head coach there. There were lots of other guys there to deal with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't I didn't, I never thought Aaron Rodgers was in, incredibly difficult or anything, but Russell Wilson, you know, I, I just think rookie head coach didn't know how to deal with him. Yeah, no, there was definitely a little bit of an aspect of like Hackett. Maybe he didn't have his hands in that Green Bay offense as much as we thought he did. Um, and so when he came to Denver, he was just way, way in over his head. Didn't know how to deal with Russell Wilson. Didn't know how to, you know, build around Russell Wilson. And now you get Sean Payton coming in, who is experienced, who took, you know, maybe an under, you know, kind of an undersized quarterback in Drew Brees, who you remember with the Chargers, he was he's pretty solid there in like 2004, 2005. He was really starting to turn a corner there after, um, you know, being benched multiple times early in his career. Um, but Sean Payton really took him from being a solid quarterback in the league to one of the greatest quarterbacks in this era and perhaps all time as well. Um, you know, Sean Payton took over the saints when, you know, they were just coming off the, you know, hurricane Katrina and they're moving back into the stadium and they, they were a 3-13 and 13 team when he took over, and they went to the NFC Championship that first year he was there. Uh, and then they won a Super Bowl a few years later uh, with, with Drew Brees leading the way. 
they were one of the premier teams in the league. He made them relevant, and they should have gotten back to the Super Bowl in 2018, 2019. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that pass interference call uh, prevented that. But, you know, Sean Payton's going to come in, and he's going to, you know, he's going to put Russell Wilson in his place. And I think Russell Wilson is going to, you know, the competitive man that he is, I think he'll, you know, respond to that. And I think the, uh, I think the Broncos will, will be a good team next year. I think they'll be an 8-9 possibly 10 win team. I think this roster is way better than they've showed this past year. And there's no reason they can't add, you know, three, four wins to their total. I mean, every single year, half the teams that make the playoffs don't make it the next year. And then, you know, which means that half the teams that didn't make the playoffs are going to make it. So there's no reason why the Broncos can't be a playoff team. And and I think this is going to turn around quicker than, than you think. They have a good defense. Uh, Their O-line's solid. I think they'll, and I think Sean Payton, he's going to build a run game and he's going to build a Russell's strengths. And I think it's going to work immediately. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win 12, 13 games next year, but I think they're going to be a, a nine, 10 win team potentially. And, you know, there's no reason why they can't be the seventh seed in the AFC. Like, no reason why they can't be that. So that, that's my stance on it. Um, and if you're going to debate, Sean Payton versus Mike McCarthy. I'd agree with you. Like I, I, I love Mike McCarthy. He's really shown me a lot this year in the way that he kind of was a CEO there for the Cowboys, you know, kind of manning the ship when Dak went down and, and going four and one with Cooper Rush. Like I give Mike McCarthy a ton of credit for that. I think he's a really solid coach. The one thing Sean Payton has that Mike McCarthy doesn't is I think Sean Payton took a franchise that was in a really bad place, the Saints, and made them relevant. It made them relevant for a long period of time. And the Packers, you know, they were kind of already there. And and Mike McCarthy obviously continued that, but he didn't quite turn around a, a bad franchise necessarily. But, you know, I think they're both great coaches. But uh, I think Sean Payton, as a, as a play designer and play caller, I think he's a little bit better than Mike McCarthy. And we'll see how, the, you know, it works in Dallas with Mike McCarthy calling the plays this year. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of all I got on that. All right, nice, Preston. What were you saying a second ago? I, I didn't. We didn't. I didn't quite catch you when Gladhoe was talking. Uh, he was just saying how um, Sean Payton took over after Hurricane Katrina, and I said now he's taking over after Snowstorm Hackett. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll I'll talk a little bit about it in a in a second because uh, the reason Gladhoe brought up the whole. Mike McCarthy into the situation is because we had a little bit of a debate on and look, I might have sounded like a Sean Payton hater the other day. And look, I didn't mean to sound that way if I did come across as that as that I didn't mean to. Uh, And yes, I did call him overrated, which I think that was a little bit too far. He's a good coach. He's a great coach. And I think this is this is like an A, A minus higher. The only thing I was arguing was I thought Texans getting D'Amico Ryans was the like the A plus higher. And I thought that should get the most buzz because when I look at somebody like D'Amico Ryans and what he did with that 49ers defense and going to a rebuilding team like the Texans, I think that's a culturing, coaching changing type of move right there. And because he has a young defense to work with, with Jalen Petrie and and guys and Derek Stingley, I think he's he's going to turn those guys into studs next year. And so I love it. I think it's not like a David Coley, you know, a Lovey Smith type situation. I don't think if they go like four and 13 or, you know, like four and 13 or five and 12 with a bad roster, I don't think they're going to, you know, jump the gun and fire D'Amico Ryans. I think they know that this is the guy moving forward. Players love him. They want to play for him. And I think he's going to go in there and make the Texans that much better. And that's why I think it should overlook 
Sean Payton's deal uh, just a little bit more. Not not trying to sound and and say that Sean Payton was a was a bad hire because it's not. It's a good hire. Uh, but I think a lot of pressure will be more on on uh, Sean Payton for the Broncos to win now because the Broncos have the roster and you know they they traded five picks for Russell Wilson. They they and you know gave him a two hundred forty five million dollar extension, right? Like he's making a lot of money, so you're going to be expecting to have Sean Payton go in there and make them, I wouldn't say contenders, but back to being a playoff team again. So if he doesn't do that, I, I don't know, like if the Broncos, like what are the Broncos like championship windows going to look like, at least with Russell Wilson. So great hire for the Broncos. I know I said I was going to talk about it here in a second. I just talked about it right there. That's really all I have to say. Preston, you can go ahead. Yeah. As far as the Sean Payton hire goes, um, unfortunate that they had to give up a first round pick for him. Uh, granted, they've already given up so many picks for Russell Wilson, but this is a this is a win now move, um, and I think it's a it's a good win now move. But I still don't think the Broncos are gonna be like a, a contender, so to speak. I think they are a playoff contender. Definitely, probably not going to be Super Bowl contenders. I just don't see Russ turning things around after last year. I think he'll he'll improve and be better under Sean Payton. But I don't think he's going to be back to where he was um, prior to him getting traded to the Broncos. I don't know. I feel like he's he's just kind of settled into who he is now with his his marriage, his money. And I don't know if he has anything else he really wants to shoot for. Can Sean Payton get that out of him? I don't know. Um, you know, we did have the argument over the Sean Payton, Domenico, Ryan's thing. And... I don't know. I felt like Sean Payton was the ideal hire for the Broncos. You know, D'Amico Ryans, I mean, I, I think based on, I mean, I, I I don't know the guy personally, but for me, like I take somebody with head coaching and Super Bowl experience over somebody with no head coaching experience, especially in that Broncos situation. I think he's a great fit for the Texans. It's going to provide a platform to for him to learn how to head coach with not a ton of expectations. And they're going to be a team that's just going to want to come out and improve everybody wrong next season. Hopefully they draft well. Hopefully, you know, they're, they're able to do something at the quarterback position. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to stick with uh, what's his face next year. Um, blinking. No, no shot. They stick with Davis Mills. They're going to draft Bryce Young or something probably. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. I'm not sold on Bryce Young. You know, I'm not even sold about really drafting quarterbacks early in the first round, you know, when you're in a situation like they are, I think eventually, yeah, you want to, when you need a quarterback, but for them, I think they have a lot of other problems that they, they need to address. But at the same time, I don't know uh, if it's the right quarterback, you go for it. If they feel like Bryce Young's the right quarterback for them, um, or they find somebody else that's the right quarterback for them, then, you know, go ahead and take them early in that first round. I've heard rumors about possibly Trey Lance getting traded to the Texans and uh, reuniting with D'Amico Ryans because D'Amico Ryans is with the 49ers and Trey Lance, you know, if they stick with Purdy, then, you know, you you have a backup that is ready to play. Like you, maybe you ship him off, but I don't know. I mean, I think you try and bring in some, some veteran or something to, to bridge the gap for the Texans right now. I wouldn't yeah. bring, bring in a rookie quarterback in that situation. And I'm not sold on really any of these quarterbacks in this upcoming draft this year. Yeah, well, Bryce Young is very undersized, you know, and I, I think that's the main concern about him going into this draft. Like he's smaller than Kyler Murray, 
Like that's, that's a pretty small guy. So uh, there's going to be question marks with him, obviously. You know, I totally forgot that the Bears have the number one overall pick now. So the Texans don't have that leverage of the number one overall pick anymore. And and how is Ryan Poles going to react to that, right? Like is, I mean, they're committed to Justin Fields. So the assumption is that they're going to trade, but the Texans, like if they really want Bryce Young and they know the Bears are going to trade that pick away, you almost got to like try to trade with the Bears because you don't want somebody else trading up and getting Bryce Young. That's if you're fully committed on getting Bryce Young. Go get a Derek Carr. Go get a... Jimmy G. Yeah, Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G would be a great fit there. Jimmy Uh, G reunited with D'Amico Ryans, you know? Right, exactly. You know, Um, whoever D'Amico feels like could could bridge the gap for them for one or two seasons. Yeah, and going back to the... uh, Well, I guess not going back to the Broncos because the Broncos aren't in there, but the Texans... The Texans do have top five uh, cap space heading into 2023, so they can definitely build on that young defense with D'Amico Ryans. I think D'Amico will have them be more aggressive in, in the offseason too. So I, I don't see a scenario where the Texans are much worse than they were this year. I mean, I think I think they're going to improve. I think they'll they'll shoot up to a five six win team at least. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, Gladhell, did you have any other thoughts on the D'Amico Ryans hire? Or you know, seems like a lot of a lot of players love him. So. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll debate, you know, who would you ha- rather have, Sean Payton, D'Amico Ryans. I think the way it played out, honestly, I think it played out perfectly for both these franchises. I think Sean Payton is is perfect for the Broncos' job right now, and I think D'Amico Ryans is perfect for the Texans' job right now. I mean, talk about him going back to the organization that drafted him 17 years ago, 16, 17 years ago. Um, he played there for, what is it, seven, eight years you know, it just feels like they need, you know, a young potential star head coach. You know, there's, of course, when you when you bring in a first-year head coach, there's always going to be, you know, some risk of like, you know, he might not work out. He might not be able to, you know, take over. You know, when you go from coordinator to head coach, it's obviously a pretty big jump in responsibility. There's a lot more that you have to deal with as a head coach. So, you know, but I think D'Amico is the right man for it. Absolutely. just Just hearing him talk. He's been in those players' shoes. He was a player for the Houston Texans not too long ago. Like he, he knows what these players are going through. Um, the players know that he knows what they're going through, and so there, there's there's going to be you know mutual respect there. And I think the, I think you said it all. The players are going to play hard for him. They did in San Francisco. As for the Broncos, I think they needed a veteran coach. They needed someone with a ton of experience to to handle a situation where they, they don't have a ton of cap space. They don't have a ton of draft capital. They need to basically make more with less and take, you know, maybe a quarterback who everybody's saying is washed and offensive personnel. That's good, but not amazing uh, with low draft, you know, low cap space available and, and not much draft capital at all, especially in the high rounds of the next few years. They need an experienced coach who'll be able to take that and make them, you know, more than competent on that side of the ball. And um, I think Sean Payton's the right man for that, absolutely. So uh, that's all I got to say on that. Um, as for the quarterback, yeah, that'll be interesting. I think, I think the, the, you got to do your evaluation on the guys in this draft. You have the number two overall pick. I'm not a quarterback evaluator, so I don't really have a, a strong opinion one way or the other, but. Um, I think Bryce Young has all the uh, all the intangibles that you would want as as your uh, franchise quarterback, and you know he can he can ball as well. So you know I, I I would go with him, but I don't know. I I could I could also see him going to a veteran for a couple of years, but 
you know, I, I think that's step number one there is, is D'Amico's going to take care of the defense, but you got to get that quarterback. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, now that they've gotten a guy like D'Amico, maybe their focus shifts in the draft, you know, because you think maybe, you know, with Lovey Smith still there, or, you know, maybe if they got an, another older coach to go in there, maybe they would be eyeing, you know, Bryce Young. But now that D'Amico's there, maybe he has a whole different approach, right? So you never know what they're thinking. And and I, I'm kind of with you right now, you know, like I don't, I don't know too much right now about these quarterbacks coming in. I know, I know probably the most about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I haven't really looked too much into Will Will Levis. I know a lot of people are high on him, and I've heard a lot of people say he's going to be a bust. I've heard Anthony Richardson, you know, coming in as well. So, you know, once Anthony the draft- Richardson being a first round draft pick to me is crazy. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. Uh, I'm going to have to definitely like once we get closer to the draft, I'll definitely look more into like the tape and the film of these guys and, and, and the intangibles and stuff and, and try to see if I can get a better idea of, you know, you know, make the prediction of who's going to have the good career or not. But right now I just, I don't know. I think this class is still, you know, pretty weak uh, in terms of quarterbacks. And I mean, I, I guess we'll find out closer to April. So uh, Preston, I was going to ask you one more thing about Sean Payton. You mentioned that they were in a win now mode right now. And, and Gutho was mentioning that they had a veteran, they needed a veteran coach right now. So do you think there's more pressure on Sean Payton right now because uh, to, to turn it around right away because he has the roster um, and he has the quarterback and they have the, the pieces to do it? Hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's a ton of pressure on him right now, but I think more of the pressure is going to be on Russ because I think Sean Payton, I think he's going to go in there. He's going to do his thing. Um, he's going to get the team ready and – I think, you know, they'll be capable of being able to fire on all cylinders. It's just whether Russ is going to be a leader and he's going to go out and execute. Yeah, we've, we've seen Sean Payton. Uh, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. I think Russell Wilson's under much more pressure because we've seen Sean Payton have success with, with every quarterback he's ever had. You know, like obviously the long, long tenure with Drew Brees there, but also with Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston had the best year of his career with Sean Payton. A couple of years ago, you know, coming off of throwing that's a good whatever, point. 30, Thirty interceptions in Tampa. Um, Teddy Bridgewater played pretty 30 well. For Taysom, 30, baby. Taysom Hill, yeah, Taysom Hill came <laughs> in and, and and was able to you know be effective in that offense too. So uh, if if Russell Wilson looks like the worst quarterback in the league for the second straight year, then I, I just I he's unfixable at that point. Yeah, at that point, it's it's on Russell just Wilson. Burn him at the I stake don't know, at that point. Yeah, I don't know what the, the Broncos do from there. That's um, I, I have no idea, but that would be on Russell. At that point, you, like you said, he's unfixable. But, but, but I feel like Sean Payton wouldn't take this job if he didn't believe Russell Wilson could turn it around in a way. Like If he thought Russell Wilson were unfixable, he would not have taken this job. So I think Sean Payton will do his thing, and I think Russell Wilson will improve. I think that's the most likely – you know, not be an MVP candidate, but, you know, get back to being a solid B-plus quarterback. So that's my thought right now. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on into the uh, the next, I guess, carousel that's going on. And uh, we got to bring you into this, Preston, because Cowboys parted ways with offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, uh, the era of, I guess, all the Garrett, Jason Garrett head coaches or coaches under him are now all gone now. Kellen Moore was a Garrett guy. He is gone but now he goes uh, and gets a new slate in Los Angeles now that they parted ways with Joe Lombardi. Preston, I know your initial thoughts were uh, 
not very pleased with Kellen Moore, but you know, after about a week or so of digesting it, do you feel any different? How, do, how are you feeling going into next year with him calling plays? He's such an inconsistent play caller. At least that's what I, I've, I've seen in Dallas, and that's what I've heard from you guys, you guys watching him week in, week out. Um, whether that was on Dak or other factors, I don't know. Only time will tell seeing how he does with Herbert and everybody. But what the Chargers need is consistency week in, week out. If he can't bring consistency and we got another up and down season, then there's not going to be something to build towards throughout the season. It's just going to be trying to fix problems throughout the year. No, you got to be able to build towards something as an organization in order to become a lethal playoff team and a Super Bowl contender. If you're dealing with all these tiny little issues throughout the year, trying to just figure out how to have great games every once in a while, then you know you're you're just going to be inconsistent as hell. And then you're going to get to the playoffs. You might have a good game or even a good half, and then suck in the second half for the next game. Like that's just how it is. Yeah, Kellen Moore inconsistent is the perfect word to describe him. He is not a bad offense coordinator. He's not a good offensive coordinator. He shows flashes. And yes, he's had some on paper. He's had some really good tenures with the Cowboys, right? Like the past three or so years with the Cowboys, they've had one of the statistically some of the best offenses in the league. Um, but his play calling towards the end of the season and not just this year, but also last year got really, really bad. And this is not a panic move. This is not a move to defend Dak Prescott. But we talked about this on the show last week that even if Kellen Moore isn't that bad of an offensive coordinator, the way things are trending now with Dak Prescott, you couldn't possibly bring back Kellen Moore with Dak Prescott. He's already messed with him mentally. And in order to overcome that, you can't bring that guy back. And Kellen Moore or Mike McCarthy was like adamantly frustrated with Kellen Moore. Are you done making staff changes that you control? Is this Kellen Moore coming back as your offense coordinator? Well, I, I think just clearly, um, you know, this, this, where I'm at, I, Frank, I just saw Kellen briefly. You know, my evaluation process is, um, is still going on, you know, so I had a chance to meet with Dan, and that's why I was running late before I, before I came over here, um, you know, just to get filled in on where, you know, what's going on with him and, and you know the outlook there, and so we'll, you know we'll continue to talk, and you know, and I'm, I'm hopeful to get together with Kellen, you know, as early tomorrow. You kind of knew that there was this was coming, and for how fast that the Chargers ended up hiring him right after we let him go, that lets me know that they already knew that Kellen Moore was going to be gone, and they had already told Kellen Moore that he was going to be gone, and that that communication with the Chargers had already been happening. He probably wanted that LA job. He it was probably yeah. on his mind, you know. Yeah, this that tells me that that's been happening for a while, so. Uh, yes, now there's more pressure on Dak because now you have talk about the turnovers, right? And you say that, you know, you blamed it on Kellen Moore's play calling and, and it didn't affect the thing. Bottom line is Dak's got to eliminate that. And if he comes out and does the same thing, then you know that it was more of a Dak issue than a Kellen Moore issue. So uh, we're going to see, you know, we we signed, uh, we we picked up Brian, uh, what is it, Schottenheimer, uh, offensive coordinator. He was the team consultant during the 2022 season. Uh, and I, I'm, he's worked with Mike McCarthy before. So I think, uh, he was, he was a team consultant. He wasn't a coordinator for the Jags. Uh, it said he was the the team consultant, uh, in 2022. What, what does that even mean? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> uh, what? Has he even coordinated for a team before? 
Uh, I think he has. He has 15 years of, of experience. That's what they say. Is he related to Marty Schottenheimer? Uh, I have no idea. I think he worked with uh, McCarthy in Green Bay, though. Okay, we'll see how that goes. But he's not calling the plays, though. Mike McCarthy is. So that's that's what's going to be the real question. Is Mike McCarthy going to screw up the play calling? Bro, like... Because we all know... Managing know. the game is enough. Having to call plays and manage a game is so difficult. You got to be a different breed in order to do that. Let me read more into this Schottenheimer guy. Uh, while I'm doing that, Gledhill, I'll give your thoughts on this. Kellen Moore to the Chargers, Cowboys parting ways. Mike McCarthy calling plays. What's going through your mind after all this? I honestly have no idea. I don't. I don't watch this hate consistently to have an opinion on whether you know he's a really good coordinator, bad coordinator. Um, whether Mike McCarthy is going to step in and, and call plays. Um, what it just what, the only sense that I get is is somebody had to take the fall for Dak, you know Dak's interception rise, and somebody had to take the fall for the offense. So, you know, it's kind of sputtering there in the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I'm just happened to be Kellen Moore. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think put him in LA with with Eckler and and Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert. I think uh, you know pretty good O line as well. I think he'll have a have a lot of success. So I'm rooting for him, but. I get the sense that somebody had to he take better the run the here. fucking football. Yeah. Oh, you'll see. You'll see a lot of core routes, Preston. You'll see a lot of curl routes on third and ten. <laughs> third and short, actually. I'll let you that. Uh, no, I, I really hope it works out for you guys because Preston, this is not a disaster. Like you're not getting some like bum. You're just getting a very inconsistent guy. Just warning you. That's all I'm gonna say. Reading into uh, Schottenheimer, Preston, you are right. He's related. He is the uh, son of longtime. Marty Schottenheimer, and he was with the Jags in 2021 with Urban Myers, but he was a team consultant with the Cowboys this year. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. And I don't know what a team consultant is. I'm guessing that's a – I have no idea. Sounds like, you know, it's he gets everybody coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. His job's going to be real easy, man. Just – uh yeah, just let let Mike McCarthy run the show. Let's see how Dude, that Mc, McCarthy's whipping his schlong out on the table, bro. He's yeah. he's going all in this year. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Glenhill, you know how we were talk we were debating uh Sean Payton versus Mike McCarthy. I guess this will be the year to find out, right? Like if if Sean Payton goes in there, has a really good year with the Broncos, and the Cowboys under Mike McCarthy have, you know, regress and he calls bad plays, then we know who's the better coach, right? Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, that's interesting to bring up that debate. So, yeah, I guess that's really all I have to say about in that one. Uh, what else happened? I know there was another one. I, I'm blanking on it. We talked about D'Amico Ryans. Oh, uh, Frank Reich. Frank Reich. We did not talk about Frank Reich. There you go, Glenhill. I can I can start with I can start with that if you okay, want. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're and and I'll let Preston go too after because I know that's it. That's his a second team. So yeah, go ahead, Frank Reich. I know he was a guy you were high on uh, with Indianapolis the first few years, Glenhill. Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a fan of Frank Reich. Um, I think he, you know, he definitely had his hand in that Eagles championship there with Nick Foles and, and their playoff run, uh, and that helped him get the indie job after the the whole Josh McDaniels thing fell through. Which that was totally forgot about that. Josh McDaniels was going to coach the Colts for a little bit, but uh, no, I like Frank Reich. I think I think this hire it feels very safe to me. It feels very like you know what you're going to get. Like Frank Reich's not going to come in and be Urban Meyer. This team's going to go like three and fourteen, and 
you know, they just hired uh, they hired the, the former Broncos defensive coordinator too, Jairo Avero. I think I'm saying that. I, yeah, great. I think that's a really solid hire. I, I think he was getting, you know, he was getting looked at as a potential head coach as well. So I think bringing him in as a DC, really solid job there by the Panthers. Yeah, I think Frank Reich, you got to get a quarterback. I think that's job number one. Um, but Frank Reich has shown over his career, you know, he's taken Carson Wentz multiple times, both in Philly and in Indianapolis, and had you know, a lot of success with him. Albeit it didn't, you know, it didn't end well in, in Indianapolis there, choking against the Jaguars. But Carson Wentz had a 27 touchdown, seven interception season. We saw how he looked last year in, with the Commanders. He wasn't nearly the same guy. Um, Philip Rivers, you know, at the end of his career, had a pretty solid year and went to the playoffs. Nick Foles, obviously playoff run, Super Bowl championship there in Philly. You know, he comes from a situation in Indianapolis where you have an impulsive owner and and, and Jim Irsay, and things kind of, you know, <laughs> fit hit the shan really quick there um, <laughs> early in the season with the offensive line and everything. And, and I guess somebody had to take the fall for that. And and it just, instead of writing it out with Frank Reich, they, they fire him and they they go, you know, get Jeff Saturday to be interim coach. And, and we saw how that turned out. He went one in seven. So Frank Reich going to, going to Carolina, very well-spoken. You could tell he's a really good leader, has a lot of success with quarterbacks. I think if he can get a guy like like a Derek Carr or a Jimmy G, I think um, I think Derek Carr would be probably the best fit there. He's a veteran, done it before, good leader. I think the two of them would get along, and I think he'd be a top ten to twelve quarterback. And um, you know, with with Averro kind of getting that defense, you know, playing playing it as it was last year under Steve Wilkes, I think the Panthers can be potentially the best team in that division. I know it's a terrible division, but I mean, I don't know what the Saints are doing at quarterback. <laughs> the Falcons, they don't have a plant quarterback right now, it seems. And the Buccaneers moving on from Tom Brady, what are they going to do? You know, so the Panthers, I think right away, like, like, like they're going to be a good team under Frank, right? They're going to be at worst a six or seven win team and at best probably a 10 or 11 win team. So we know they're going to kind of be in that middle of the pack range next year. Um, you're not going to get a guy who's going to come in and be the next Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, uh, but you're also not getting a guy who's going to, you know, be a complete wipeout. <laughs> so uh, this feels very safe to me. Um, I like the hire, and I think uh, I think the Panthers are moving in a good good direction with him. So I uh, I, I think I think highly of this one. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. I think that this was a safe hire definition of that, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking that they were leaning towards, you know, keeping Steve Wilkes as the head coach uh, because I know, you know, Wilkes has, has had like, you know, history with the Panthers and, and he was a Charlotte native too. And he worked under Ron Rivera uh, as an assistant coach when he coached for the Panthers too. So I thought with the experience in going six and six with, you know, after, you know, Sam Darnold and, and PJ, you know, PJ Walker and all, all that QB drama and Baker Mayfield. I thought even through all that going six and six, you know, trading Christian McCaffrey, I thought they had a really solid run game. And I thought that a young defense, I thought they, uh, I thought they were going to keep Wilkes and, and retain them. So yeah, but I think Frank Wright is, is also a decent safe hire. You know, I, I don't think he was a bad coach for Indianapolis. I thought he had some really good years. I thought he had some pretty mediocre years. I just think it was time for a reset, and this is going to give him an opportunity uh, with a you know roster that I think is heading in a better direction than Indianapolis is right now. So I think this is a, a you know good veteran head coach to have. I would have liked for them to keep Steve Wilkes, but 
I think uh, Frank Wright will just do fine. Uh, will do just fine. So better than they were at at the beginning of the year with Matt Rule. So I'll give him that. Preston, what you thinking about this one? Yeah, I was hoping they were going to keep Wilkes. I think he really had that locker room at the end of the year for good reason. He really rallied them and and got them to play better um, after that horrific start. Reich, I, you know, he's just going to be a bridge coach. I think it's just kind of like eh, okay, mid hire until we can get this roster in a situation and then you know we can really go after um a good coach to really build something here but yeah that's my opinion on it i i love wilkes's story i think it's i feel like if you don't have like a a home run hitter why not just keep him like he already showed he has control of the locker room but reich is just is such a mid hire i I don't know i don't get it i mean you're going offensive side of the ball you're going with a guy that you know has proven to elevate quarterbacks um so i don't i don't blame him for going in a different direction i think steve wilkes is a really good coach but yeah i don't don't know i think i mean if they had hired him as a head coach i think you could absolutely i mean i would absolutely support that but uh, i think going toward the offensive side of the ball i think is is probably the best move right now well thankfully they didn't uh they didn't hire kellen moore because they were interviewing him as their head coach so and they, they were pretty impressed by him based on what they said in the interview so yeah, uh, I guess they, did, they didn't go for the worst option. I'll give them that. Preston, is any of you worried about, you know, because, you know, we've seen, and I know this isn't, like, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but you also got to keep that in the back of your mind that we were in a similar situation last year where a certain team could have hired a guy that took over as an interim coach, should have been, probably should have stayed as the head coach, but they ended up bringing in a well-known guy and it didn't end up working out for them. They probably should have just kept the interim coach. And I'm talking about the Raiders cough, cough with Rich Basaccia. Uh, do you, could you see any scenario like that happening? Yeah, hundred um, percent. To me, Reich is a guy who, okay. Like he had success, you know, made Carson, Carson Wentz play better. He's made quarterbacks play better, but come on. It, it, his, he hasn't really had like any like great, like seasons you really think about him like back when he was on the chargers they were 31st in the league in rushing i don't know like that's it's it's a frustrating situation in my opinion and you know i was i was on the raiders last year about making a change i you know i feel like you got to go with the guy who has the locker room and it gives you an opportunity to, to build something within the organization rather than trying to have someone coming from the outside who doesn't really know the whole situation and and everything that's going on right now and try to come in and make changes and see if it even, you know, works out, you know, it only works out if the players buy in. Yeah. And, and Josh McDaniels, you know, obviously had, I guess the buzz around him because he worked under Belichick and he worked with Brady and I know they were going to go for the home run, you know, on paper higher, but man, if they had kept, kept rich Basachi on that team, you know, maybe we'd be looking at the Raiders right now. Would Derek Carr had, I mean, would Derek Carr still be there? Would the Raiders outlook this season be a lot better? You know, so yeah, honestly, like I, I think, you know, moves like that can can change a whole outlook of a team, uh, especially in, in one year. So hopefully this works out for the Panthers. And I, I think, you know, I trust that it is, even if it is a mid-hire or a safe hire, like Bloodhill and Preston were saying, I trust that it's going to be uh, pretty good. In terms of Frank Wright, I guess not having really an amazing season. I guess the best year he had, Bloodhill, correct me if I'm wrong, was it the 2018 year uh, with Andrew Luck? I think that was probably the, the best year he's ever had as a, as a coach, right? Was that year? 
Yeah, they won a playoff game that year. Uh, they beat uh, they beat rookie Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, um, if I remember correctly. No, they they beat the Texans. Remember, they beat the Texans, right? Because I, I thought I, they uh, the, the Chargers beat the Lamar rookie year. Was it oh, okay? Okay, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I it was the Texans because the Texans had Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's right. They beat the Deshaun Watson uh, Texans in the first round in Houston, I think. Okay. I, I think, think you might be right. I yeah. think Houston won the division that year. Uh, yeah, because the Deshaun Watson era, I think, shoot, they only won one or two playoff games because they won the, the Buffalo Bills game, you know, the Josh Allen lateral game that year, and then they choked to the Chiefs 24-0 to in the – divisional round and then they beat the Derek Carlos Connor Cook Raiders in 2016. I think those were the only two playoff games that Deshaun Watson won in his career in Houston. I I, I remember them losing to the Colts in there somewhere. I think it was that year. I want to say I what. like uh but I like that you going back to um I like what I like what you're saying about bringing up Rich Passaccia and, and the Raiders uh situation this past year uh or a couple years ago. Um I think there's some similarities. I think I think Frank Reich's a much safer hire than Josh McDaniels because we've never seen Josh McDaniels have any any success as a head coach going back to uh, his days in Denver. We've only seen him be a good coordinator. So this was very much, you know, Raiders going Josh McDaniels was very much, it was going to be a hit or miss. Was, this guy was either going to be, you know, great in his second his second run, second sin as head coach, or it was going to, you know, be a failure again because he's just not quite, you know, he's, he's meant to be a coordinator long term or meant to be under a guy like Bill Belichick uh, who has that presence in the locker room and can lead the team in that, you know, take full leader leadership of the team. So I don't think this is, I don't think, I don't think this is going to fail. Like we think the Josh McDaniels situation in, in, in Las Vegas is going to fail. But uh, I, I think uh, Rich Passaccia is interesting. I, I actually uh, was listening to the Pat McAfee, uh, Aaron Rodgers interview uh, from this past week. And they asked, they asked Aaron Rodgers, like what, like, of all these like potential, you know, head coaching candidates, like who would you, who do you like? Like, who, like who have you been around that you think would be a great head coach that, you know, maybe hasn't gotten a full opportunity yet. One name that uh, has been floating around out there who I would give a ringing endorsement to is Rich Passaccia. I'm a, I'm a tremendous, tremendous fan of his. Uh, he is a prototypical leader who wants to be respected more than he's liked. And I think that from the starting point creates an accountability in whatever room you're controlling, whether that's the entire room or a position room or, a, you know, a phase of the game like offense, defense and teams. And then you throw in there an incredible ability to control the room with his speech. Very thoughtful individual, very sharp. And then the love that he brings as well, I think is just such a perfect combo. There's not a lot of Rich Passaccia types out there. I was I watched that and I thought, man, you know, it'd be cool if one of these teams hired him. But uh, yeah, I, I I would agree. Like, if something's working in an organization and they have that momentum, then why not keep it going? But you know, I'm, I'm not the one making the decisions, and I'm you know, so you know, who am I to judge? <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some, and, and there's still some other teams on the market right now for head coaches. Uh, I know the Arizona Cardinals are still looking for a head coach. They were interviewing Lions defensive coordinator. Aaron Glenn, uh, no longer being considered after that. Uh, I heard they were talking 
to defense coordinator Vance Joseph and Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. Uh, but they have also uh, they have been eliminated for that contention for vacancy. So I have no idea. I have no idea where the Cardinals, I, the direction that they're heading in right now is uh, not looking very good, especially when you got your franchise quarterback coming off an ACL tear late in the season and is pro- not probably not even going to be projected to be ready until midseason next year. And we don't we don't know how he's going to look when he gets back. So it almost feels like the Cardinals are – Man, they're in a tough spot, man. I just that's that's the worst that's the worst situation in the league right now. Like that's they, they are they're going to be the coach there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. Like um, my my one of uh, I'm surprised that um, and I'm happy for him, you know, because I, I love you know I I've you mentioned the Lions, you know, Aaron Glenn doing interviews and stuff. I'm surprised Ben Johnson wanted to stay uh, with yeah. the Lions because after that <laughs> Packers game. He was like, I, I thought, man, this guy could definitely get a head coaching job. Like, I feel like he's really proved himself this year. But, but I'm so happy for for the Lions that he's going to be staying another year. That's a W for sure. Because yeah, like you were saying, it was almost like, man, he's definitely going to get a head coaching job. And I'm glad he ended up saying it's kind of like Dan Quinn, right? Like Dan Quinn, you think, oh, no way the Cowboys keep him again. They kept him. Uh, you know, Eric Bieniemy has been a guy for the Chiefs that's supposed to have been a head coach for the past few years, and he's been able to stay. So. We talk about this all the time. I think some coordinators are just meant to stay coordinators and it's worked out for all three of those guys. And Ben Johnson's a guy that is going to be coming in next year with a high powered Lions offense, you would think. And they're going to be one of the more improved teams in the, uh, in the league next year. So got to be eyeing that, uh, Preston, I mean, with the Cardinals, man, it's got to be a pretty tough situation, right? With Kyler Murray being injured and then no head coaching, like this, this team just feels like they have no direction right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I would do if I was them. You, you know, and they've already missed out on the major coaches out on the market this year. You're looking at a situation where you've got to try and bring in someone with experience. I don't think you bring in a, a coordinator with no head coaching experience and just expect him to to improve things. You got to bring in a veteran guy there, um, someone who kind of can kind of right the ship and then and give it a direction right now it's just everything just ca- kind of got blown apart they need a direction i think they need to establish an, an identity on the defensive side of the ball first um because you know you've got something special in kyler and then you can rebuild that offensive line to protect him and you know get him a weapon or two and he'll still be able to make plays and be effective and you can build towards the future that way you know hope running game would be nice too but I think you really got to look at the defensive side of the ball. I like what you said about um, them needing to get an, an experienced coach. Cause like, how about like a Jim Caldwell or like, like a guy who's who, like, I'm surprised he isn't a head coach again. Maybe, maybe he he's retired and he wants to stay retired. He doesn't, doesn't want to get, get back into being a head coach. But um, I think he, a guy like him would be, would be perfect for this job right now. You, you got to have someone who, who knows how to deal with egos, specifically a, a guy in Kyler Murray who, it feels like a lot of people have spoken out against him and, uh, you know, former teammates. And I think Patrick Patterson was saying something about him. Like he's all about Kyler you know, and, and he's coming off of injury too. And there, there, it just feels like there's all sorts of drama there. Like I, I'm happy that D'Amico Ryans, you know, didn't take a job like that. Like, you know, I think the Texans is a much better, much better fit right now and in a much better position to improve going forward. I, I don't know. The Cardinals are, I mean, what a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, it's a, it's tough. 
and I guess we can go in right to the the team that's going to be on the QB carousel. Maybe they get a guy like Aaron Rodgers because uh, it's looking like Green Bay era with him is coming to an end. And no, I, I know we always talk about like, we say this all the time, right? Like, oh, is Aaron Rodgers finally going to leave? Well, it's been reported that uh, it's looking like they're they're looking to move on. So, uh, and if they do trade him, I think it's going to be to an AFC team because why would they do it in the NFC team? I don't know. Uh, I feel like they would like trade into the AFC team and the team that has been, you know, the biggest buzz and probably likely suitor is the uh, New York Jets. You know, the New York Jets are going to need a quarterback. Uh, We've heard so many things. We've heard Derek Carr. We've heard Jimmy G. uh, And now you got Aaron Rodgers up there as well. So Rodgers, Rodgers. But the reason we got to talk about the Jets is because not only (laughs) they're the main vocal point right now of, of these QB carousels, but they also hired uh, head coach Nathaniel Hackett from the Broncos as their offensive coordinator. Uh, so I wanted to get y'all's guys reaction on that. You know, look at Hackett getting hired uh, this past year for the Broncos. We don't really know what to expect. We just know that he's worked with a, a elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so that could also tie him going back to New York. Seemed to be a pretty good offensive coordinator uh, under LaFleur, at least. Uh, so when you're looking at this Jets team, uh, we'll start with you, Preston. Do you see this, you know, Hackett being a, a guy that, you know, was probably should have just stayed a coordinator or do you just think he just sucks overall and he was carried by LaFleur? Uh, they'll be fine. Um, you know, I like what, um, what's his face? What's the name of the head coach again? Which one? For the Jets. Sala. No, oh, Robert Sala. Sala. Yeah, Robert Sala. I really like what Robert Sala has built over there. I think... You know, with his guidance, he'll get Hackett right back on track. And they just need to find the quarterback. Um, They've got all these other young players. They find the right quarterback. They'll be a tough team to beat next year. Yeah, absolutely. So you're on with that with that offensive coordinator. I I agree with you. Uh, You know, I I just think Hackett, you know, was put in a situation uh, to go be a head coach. And he just wasn't a good head coach. I think he's going to be a solid offensive coordinator. I think Robert Sala... We'll turn him into that, and, and we'll just have to see what, what kind of quarterback they get because we know Zach Wilson and Mike White aren't the guys moving forward. So uh, we'll just see what happens there. Glad Hill, your initial reaction. Nathaniel Hackett's obviously has got some offensive coordinator experience. Yeah. Could this be a move to get Aaron Rodgers? I would think the Jets would be very aggressive this offseason given that they're, they're, the, they're the most talented young roster in the league, you could argue. And you're going to have... Um, Brees Hall coming back healthy. I uh, have Garrett cute. Wilson there, a pretty young offensive line too, with you know Elijah Vera Tucker kind of leading the way there. I think the situation's pretty much set up for a quarterback to come in. You know, really, really solid defense. I think this team they they need to make the playoffs next year, or Robert Saul is getting fired. I mean, that's just how it's going to work because he's going into year three, and I mean that that's kind of the time clock now. You, you, if you're a head coach taking over a rebuilding team. You know, you basically have three years to make the playoffs, and this team has the talent to do it. And now, maybe if their defense is so good and their quarterback, whoever it is, is so bad, maybe you give them another year and you end up firing the offensive coordinator and you know continuing to move forward. But bottom line is, Robert Saul has probably got to make the playoffs next year, and I don't think they believe Zach Wilson's the right guy to take them there this year. You know, I, I doubt they, they see that in Mike White either currently. I think you keep those guys on the roster. They're still super young. They're still cheap. But you got to go get a veteran quarterback of some kind. I think Jimmy G would probably fit in well here. I think he would handle the New York market very well just because he's cool as a cucumber and doesn't, you know, just a great locker room guy. Everybody loves Jimmy. 
he doesn't seem to have like a super big ego. Like he's hard to get along with young guys. Like I think he'd be easy for a guy like Hackett to handle. He's kind of the opposite of Russell Wilson in that sense. You don't really, you don't really get a lot of ego with Jimmy G just going to come in and do his best and be a good presence in the locker room and just be an overall really good guy. So I think he'd be the best fit there. Um, sounds like Derek Carr in New York, probably not the best fit. I think Why's people that? are saying like, I think people were saying that cold weather. He and, Sa- he and Sala aren't like the best personality fit or something. I heard something like that. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But it, it, I haven't heard anything about oh they're going to be pursuing Derek Carr. You know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. On know, that, I, so. I was going to ask you if you could make a case for Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers. I don't. I don't know. I, didn't, I wasn't sure if if no. I'd- I would take Aaron Rodgers. I'd take Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> the guy has won two MVPs. I think Aaron Rodgers is is still. I think the whole the whole thing about him being, you know, a bad leader. I think I think a lot of that's overblown. And now you can make the case that okay, like he should have been there with those young receivers in the off season, and and that's why they didn't make the playoffs this year in Green Bay. I would I would totally agree with that. I think he is very responsible for the you know the Green Bay missing the playoffs this year. But I think he's still a good leader. He's still a really good person overall. But I do think the Packers were, are going to want to move on from that, if I had to guess. But Jordan Love. Love. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but, Preston, one thing I wanted to say about, because since you brought up, y'all both brought up Derek Carr, watch out for uh, a team that I don't think people would think of. Well, maybe you'll think of it, but you know, I think it could be a sleeper possibly getting them. Carolina Panthers. He could be on the Panthers well, next year. Well, that's what we're just uh, saying. Team, team him up with Frank Reich. I think that'd be a good fit. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even hear you say that. So my bad. Yeah. Could be. Um, I like him in Washington. Yeah, I do too. I do too. But also, I'm I, I'm a big Sam Howell guy, so I want to see them. I don't. Give Sam I don't Howell like Derek Carr in Washington at all. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you got to root against the Cowboys when he plays them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just think I think Carolina is the better situation right now. I think they got the better coach or better. Really, better you think they're in a better coach? situation than Washington? I would, Dude, Washington's I think so. defense is, I, I mean, that defensive line. I, they, Panthers got a good young defense. But they also have Snyder, too, and, and they're just always something going on with Washington, too. They, yeah, they got yeah, that shit stadium. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Revenue, yeah, yeah, dude. On, yeah. Gledho, you might be right. You might be right. I get, I, think, I, get, I, get a, I get an overall better vibe with Carolina right now than I do Washington. I'm sorry. I would just have no motivation to play for Washington if I was a part of that franchise, like, Come on, bro. This is in DC. No. It's just disgusting. You know, you got a shitty owner, shitty stadium, fan base. You, you don't even you're you don't even believe in your mascot. Like, oh gosh, it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. And I mean the Panthers could be a team too that like maybe Frank Wright is gonna be aggressive. You know, maybe Frank Wright will trade up and draft a quarterback or or get a CJ Stroud, get a Bryce Young. I don't know. Because I, I, it's hard for me to imagine that Sam Darnold is going to be their starting quarterback next year. No, yeah, no I don't know what Carolina is going to do at the quarterback position. There's, but well, what's your guys' opinion on Sam Darnold? I know Gledhill still believes him, believes in him a little bit. Not as a franchise quarterback. I think he's just a slow. He's slow at processing. He's just <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna edit this in when I'm when I'm editing the, the podcast. But I don't know if you guys remembered, but. Like two years ago on one of the episodes, we were talking about if you had to like rebuild a team, 
You could go to any franchise and you could take one quarterback to rebuild your franchise with. And Glenn Hill chose the Bears and Sam Donald. <laughs> if, I could, if I could coach one NFL franchise, I'd probably move back to Chicago where I was born. I coached the Chicago Bears. And I think the first thing you got to do is you got to get a franchise quarterback. And I don't know who that would be long term. Obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a name of a, of a guy I'm gonna choose. But that, hey, before you freak out, that I'm not saying that he's going to be my franchise quarterback. I'm just saying I'm gonna give him a fair shot of being my franchise quarterback with good offensive pieces. He's gonna have a really good defense to back him up. I'm gonna be his coach, so you know he's gonna be good. <laughs> But I'm going to pretend like I, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to bring in Sam Darnold. I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to I'm going to say, hey, you're my guy for the next one to two years. I think we would give him a really good shot. And I think he can have a lot of success in our organization and be our franchise guy. And I think, you know, I think in, in the cold weather of Chicago, you know, when we get into into uh, November, December and January, we're going to need a thick, trunky, strong arm quarterback who's going to be making making big throws up the seams uh, in, in playoff games in Chicago against the Green Bays and the Seattles and, and Dallas potentially. So, yeah, I would, I would pick the Chicago Bears. I think part of it is because I'm from there and I love Chicago. Part of it is I just, just, just forecasting the opportunities that would be ahead. That's the equivalent of I want Iguodala. That's funny. Uh, well, yeah. Hey, I, my, I dad, my dad was big on Sam Darnold too. Hey, was Sam Darnold, Eric, at least we were both big on Patrick Mahomes before he became the starter. Oh, we were so big on him. <laughs> he doesn't have a great arm, and he's he's a slow – I think they're saying he's a slow processor, and he's also – I think he's just a little too relaxed. You know, he's just he's – just, he's almost too chill. Like, he's – Doughboy, baby. Doughboy, yeah. Donald. Like, he, no he just, boy. You, get the, you, get the, you get the Southern California vibes from him, just, you know, surfer boy, you know, pulling up to the beach, just – I don't know. Like that that's the that's the vibe I get from Sam Sam Darnold. Like really good guy. Like to smoke a blunt with, with Sam you'd rather, Darnold. You'd wanna like he'd be the guy you'd wanna, you know, sit down at a you know he looks like uh I don't know, he looks he was he looks like a frat boy. Like I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like just a really cool guy, you know, a guy you'd wanna hang out with, but not I don't know. You your, wouldn't want him on your on not, your uh on your intermediate. Not the leader team. of your franchise. <laughs> Preston, this is gonna sound really like uh, what's it called? Stereotypical. But if Sam Darnold's from USC, does that mean he's from the hood? No, he's not from the hood. Because he no, USC is like a it's like a little sanctuary in the hood. So no, he's not. You don't think he's like he? You don't think no, he's that, that boy did not step five feet off campus? I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, dude, I I didn't think he was going to be good coming into uh, the NFL. And I, I think I have a screenshot of where I, I like said I thought he was going to be the worst. Uh, he didn't end up being the worst though. It was actually Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen ended up being the worst out of that draft class. Which yeah, Josh Rosen was pretty bad. Uh, I was like, as bad as it could possibly be, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy, man. I I can't believe that. I can't believe I was so high on him. Uh, you were. Was, yes, I was. Dude, but I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> so many people were so high on him, bro. Like. And then they, uh, it, dude, literally is just like, does this guy even want to play football? Yeah, dude. I, I saw I saw a pre-draft interview with him, and he was like, he was like, I want to be the greatest of all time. I want to, you know, Tom Brady, I'm coming for your Super Bowl record oh or whatever. Oh my god, like, that oh my never worked. Did not believe a word that came out of his mouth in that speech. Like huh? this guy, this guy was foolish, you know, just full full of it all the time, you know, just. 
He's just trying to get whatever he talks. And bang, yeah. bang salutes. You notice how anytime a quarterback says some outrageous shit like that before they even make it to the NFL, it never works out. They always end up sucking. Bro, Josh Rosen was the the Alex Moran of uh <laughs> of college football in real life and NFL football. Oh God. Uh, you know what? Glad Hill, you've seen Blue Mountain State, right? I have. I don't I don't know names though. Bro, what? Both y'all need to watch Blue Mountain State. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Neither of y'all got that reference. I am very disappointed in y'all right now. Does Blue Mountain State make make you, like, lose brain cells? Um, no. I know what type of humor that show has, and it's, like, just, like, them being, like, it's funny, but they're being, like, just stupid. They're just being dumbasses. Bro, it's football players in college just doing drugs, banging girls, and literally just doing whatever the hell they want, just being kings of the campus. It's it's amazing. You can't you can't write anything better. It's the best. Yeah, we'll see. Anyways, uh, moving on. What do you guys think about uh, Patriots hiring Bill O'Brien? I thought that was a W. Honestly, I, I like that. Preston, what you think? Uh, honestly, I didn't even hear about that because uh, Bill O'Brien is irrelevant um, in my mind. And what is the offensive coordinator? Yeah, offensive coordinator, and uh, like looking at where they were last year with Patricia. Honestly, I, I don't think how it can be any worse than that, right? Yeah, like, Patricia. Patricia was booty, and but O'Brien. Let's not act like he did good in Alabama. No, no, no. I think that's why I think it was a win for for both parties, right? You look at Alabama. Bama fans were tired of him, but I also think that I don't think he's a bad coach or coordinator i just think he's a terrible gm and we've learned that over the years <laughs> why he wasn't the yeah but i think that whole experience probably you know changed everybody's perception of him and probably messed up his confidence a little bit so i don't know he's gonna have to have a bounce back here this year yeah glad how what you think he's good even before even before watson got to the texans he was he was making the playoffs with like I mean, who are their quarterbacks? Like TJ Yates and Tom Savage and Brock Asweiler. Yeah, like yes, he was, Brock Osweiler, baby. <laughs> he was Ryan. Hey, they had Ryan Patrick one year too. Right. I said. I said Sam Darnold looks like a frat guy. Brock Osweiler looks like you know. Oh my <laughs> he's god! A president of a fraternity, dude. Do y'all remember uh, how much money the Texans paid him that one year after he yeah, after he took over for Peyton Manning for like what five games? That's got to be up there for top 10 worst contracts in NFL history. Uh, well, just thinking about sports history, I don't know what, you know, what just popped up in my mind, Preston, this one's not going to make you feel good. You uh, know what Lakers I'm going to say, right? For Westbrook? No. Lakers giving Mozgov that big contract. Oh, well, and Luau Deng, bro. We didn't finish oh. paying Luau Deng's contract until the year before. Yeah. Or until like a year and a half ago. Bro, literally two worst contracts and in, in, in like, bro, that was the worst offseason and night of my life. I was, Dude, Luel Dang used to be a bucket too, but well, yeah, and then he just got yeah. just got old. Yeah, he just changed. Got old. Yeah, no, y'all were paying that man for a minute, <sighs> but yeah, what were anyways? Yeah, Brock Ass Wheeler. Uh, back to Bill O'Brien. Uh, Gledho, you are you are, you do like that move though? No, I do. I, I think. Um... Fresh off, you know, I watched all the the Man in the Arena episodes, and he there was an episode where he was, you know, on, Bill O'Brien was was uh, being interviewed and whatnot, and he he like confronted Tom Brady one year because of after an interception or something. They had that moment on the sideline; they were screaming at each other. I think he's a good, you know, really good coach, a guy that 
you know, players seem to love. Like they were talking about like the, the jokes they had together and they made this like tea kettle pot where they wrote all the things that he would rage about. Um, Cause he's kind of like one of those like hothead coaches who would, you know, who definitely like a screamer. And uh, so I think the relationship between him and Mac Jones is going to be an interesting one. Cause I think Mac Jones, like he, he's kind of an intense guy. You know, he would, you kind of saw him like yelling at Patricia a couple of times, like talking about how like their short game sucks and they're, you know, so I think I think he and, and and Billy will get along well. So I think that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, there's still a lot of teams uh, that still need some offensive coordinators, some head coaching positions. You know, going in uh, to this whole whole carousel, we had Ravens, Bucks, Chargers, Commanders, Titans, Rams, Jets, Patriots, Colts, and Cardinals. We talked about most of these teams. Other teams are still uh, looking out for coordinators right now. Uh, Ravens specifically. I heard they interviewed uh, Byron Leftwich. Uh, from the Bucks, uh, they obviously parted ways uh, with Greg Roman. Thankfully, uh, maybe that can get them to bring Lamar back and uh, pay them. I don't think they're going to. Uh, and that was the last thing I wanted to talk about on this episode was Lamar Jackson. Preston, so with Lamar Jackson, right? Like, you know, obviously there's been a lot of weird vibes to him this year in the, in the Ravens. Uh, you know, obviously he hurt his PCL, but he had missed like over... 30 days of practice, right? And they didn't have him in the playoffs. And it seemed like every other week they were asking, you know, Harbaugh about questions about Lamar's availability. And it just, it seemed like the answers were getting more and more bland every single week. And it seemed like, you know, uh, things were starting to shift towards them, not, you know, get kind of letting Lamar go out of town and, and not paying him. So now the Ravens are in a position where, you know, they're going to have to use the tag on him if they're not going to pay them. And then obviously he didn't have an agent. They offered him like a big contract in the offseason. He declined it because he didn't get enough guaranteed money. So, you know, if you're the Ravens right now, you know, a lot of buzz, right? You fire your offense coordinator, Greg Roman, probably going to use the franchise tag on Lamar. Uh, so how, how are you feeling right now if you're a Ravens fan at this moment? If I'm a Ravens fan, I am. I'm shitting bricks. Literally, bro, like. Uh, like, why didn't they just pay that man, bro? Why didn't they just pay that man? Literally, they're hurting themselves more in the long run. You can't wait to pay a quarterback. The earlier you pay him, the better off you are because the the market's going to continue to to go up. Like, you see why the Chiefs signed Mahomes to a freaking 10-year deal because literally the market's going to jump that. Mahomes isn't going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. He, he already isn't the highest paid quarterback in the league anymore. I mean... Literally, he's he's going to be like probably not even top 10 highest paid quarterback in the league by like the sixth, seventh year of that contract. And that's just from buying into him and signing him early in his career. I mean, with the Ravens, you don't have to commit that long term to Lamar, but come on, like give him like four years at, you know, a good amount, give him a guaranteed money. Like if guaranteed money was just the issue, like, bro, it's like, come on, it's just guaranteed money. You can you can still be flexible with the rest of the contract and, and figure something else out. But I know their concerns are injuries and things of that nature, but like, you know, his career is going to be short. So why stretch it out and put all this pressure on your team and extra stuff in your quarterback's head when you guys are trying to go win a Super Bowl while you got this special talent. It yeah. just doesn't make any sense to me. And they traded for a guy like Roquan and their defense became one of the best in the league. Like, yeah, bro, dude, I guarantee you Lamar would have ended up playing in the playoffs if they paid him. I think he, he would have been good enough to go. Bro, I they would have, they would have beat the, they would have beat the Bengals in that playoff. I game. Think he, 
Yeah, I think he decided to sit out because, you know, he's like, I'm, shoot, I'm not getting paid for this shit. Yeah, and no way the Ravens at this point let him hit the market. There's no way they're going to let him. They're either going to tag him or trade him, and I think they're going to tag him. They're going to end up tagging him. Bro, he's – if they tag him, bro, if I'm Lamar, I'm sitting out, bro. I'm sitting yeah, out. bet on yourself, man. But this dude has the most wins by any QB before the age of 25. 39 and 15 regular season record. Like – when he plays, Dude, bro, he's, he's, he's legit. He's he, he's been ridiculous, literally ridiculous. Historical quarterback, gonna go down as as one of the greatest players to ever play the game, bro. That 2019 MVP season doesn't get talked about enough. That was the best MVP season I've seen in, the, in probably the last five six years, and at least with my own eyes. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one that I could even compare it to. Um, Maybe Tom Tom Brady's uh, year in one of them, two thousand and seven. Maybe Cam Newton's year. He's uh, been better than all the back to, the back to back Rogers years. He better than that. Yeah. Better better than Mahomes this year. Although Mahomes did have a really great year. Uh, maybe Mahomes in twenty eighteen, that first year with the Chiefs. That's that's the only other one I was going to bring up. And then yeah. um, who else? Uh, Peyton Manning. With the oh, Broncos. That 20, yeah, I don't, that 23rd, it's probably the best. It's not ridiculous to say that was the best MVP season since that year. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. And like looking at what Jalen Hurts did this year is really crazy on the rushing stats, but Lamar, Lamar like wipes that MVP season that 2019 year. Like what he was doing that year, like that, <laughs> that stupid. was crazy. It was That's stupid, a, dude. But people still disrespect the hell out of this man, man. Like, Lamar Jackson gets way too much hate, bro. He deserves to get paid. He deserves he all the love. He can throw the ball too. He's yes. Oh, the football too. Like, bro, like, he that's... doesn't even have weapons like that. Mm-hmm. Dude, name one elite receiver he's had his entire career. Marquise Brown is the best receiver he's had, bro. Like, what? Like, come on now. Give this man his flowers and then some. Thirty-nine and fifteenth record with. Eric DaCosta running the show at GM and Greg Roman. Mad injuries. Mad injuries. Yes. Not not necessarily him having mad injuries, but his the the Ravens organization having mad injuries. You yeah. Know, you, they couldn't have a they were on like their fifth string run, running back one year. What was it? Last last season. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. They've had plethora of injuries, lots of bad luck, but Lamar has still been that dude. And I, that's why, dude, when they played the Titans in COVID, bro, the year after they lost to them, when they were the number one seed, I was like, bro, Lamar, I hope he wins this game because I want him to shut so many people up because everybody had been saying Lamar can't get it done in the playoffs. He finally won that playoff game. And now we haven't seen him in the playoffs uh, again. You know, in 2021, they were the number one seed. Remember, they were the number one seed last year. They were eight and three, the number one seed in the AFC. And then Lamar, guess what? Lamar got hurt. And then they decided to go for two point conversions and like three straight games. And they lost both of those games. Didn't make the playoffs. Oh yeah. 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 That <laughs> like Lamar is valuable, bro. There's not a lot of quarterbacks more valuable than and him. It's not like he's been like for considering like his play style. Like it's not like he's had any major injuries or anything at this point. They've all been minor injuries. Yeah. And here was a good point that I, 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 uh, I saw on Twitter the Ravens offered Lamar Jackson 113 million in guaranteed initially before eventually raising it to 133 million. So you look at that 133 million guaranteed. For comparison, for how many years? Four years? Uh, I don't. I, they didn't say it. The, that's not what the tweet said. But uh, for comparison, Deshaun Watson got 230 million guaranteed. 
You're t- and Lamar, they're offering Lamar 133 million guaranteed and Kyler Murray 189 million guaranteed. So you're telling me Lamar Jackson should take 55 million less than Kyler Murray? No way. No shot. Lamar Jackson has shown year in and year out he's a top seven quarterback in the league. I might be jumping the gun. I I think he's top five. I'm not I'm not taking five quarterbacks over him. Personally. The only reason I, I don't have him in the top five is because he got hurt this year. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Right now, obviously, yeah, you wouldn't put him in there. But, you know, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar, they're all right there, man. Josh Allen? Mm-hmm. You know, shoot, dude. If the, if the Ravens had last season figured out and were able to, you know, keep Lamar healthy and, you know, with that defense this year, Lamar wins a couple playoff games. We're talking about him potentially being better than Josh Allen and and Justin Herbert. So shoot, hell, if Ravens had him this year, they beat Joe Burrow in the playoffs. You're talking about him being on the same level as Joe Burrow, and assuming that they would like get far enough to go to like the Super Bowl, or the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. But I think he, I honestly think he he's right there. It's just the Ravens never, organization holding him back. He's never had the help either. You know, that's what we've talked about. No weapons. No weapons. No weapons, bro. And a horrible, horrible offensive coordinator. Thank God Greg Roman's out. That that was way overdue. And Preston, now they're talking about, you know, John Harbaugh saying that there's a 200% chance he stays. 100%, you know, 200%. There's no question about it. Uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson is our quarterback. I mean, he's been our quarterback. Everything we've done in terms of building our offense and building our team uh, how we think in terms of people and put people around him is based on this incredible young man and his talent, his ability, and his competitiveness. You know, he, he and I were talking today too. And, and one of the things about Lamar that to me stands out, he's an incredible competitor. I mean, Lamar Jackson, all he wants to do is win at everything he does. You know, yeah, he's got a lot of talent. He's a very bright guy. He's got a big heart. But he's just a massive competitor. And that's the kind of guys we want to build this team around, guys that love football and guys that love to compete. So uh, that hasn't changed. It'll never change. We, you know, we, we, I've, I've loved Lamar. Eric loves Lamar. And uh, it's not going to change in the future. So, you know, I don't know anything about the details of the whole thing, but I know one thing. I'm like all the fans out there and everybody else. You know, I'll have my fingers crossed and my toes crossed, and I'll be saying prayers. And I'm, I have every faith that it's going to get done. And, and, uh, and we've got the best people in the world doing it. I mean, Eric DaCosta is nobody better. And, and, and Eric wants him here. I want him here. Steve wants him here. And Lamar wants to be here. So uh, it's going to work out. So it's looking like he's going to stay one way or another, whether that's a tag. We'll see what happens. we got to bring Gledhill in here. Gledhill, I know we, we, we kind of excluded you out of here. We were going on a little bit of a Lamar Jackson rant. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. If you're a Ravens fan, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, no, I agree with you guys. Um, I, I honestly haven't been following that situation too much, but it feels way overdue. Like if we haven't seen a quarterback like him ever. And I feel like if you compare him with, with Kyler Murray, he's like, I, I would have him as the leader of my franchise over Kyler, like any day of the week. Like I just, I just get that feeling about Lamar Jackson. That he, I just get the feeling looking from afar that he's a better teammate than, than Kyler Murray. And he's the better man to, you know, to lead an offense. And I mean, Kyler might be the more natural thrower of the football of the two, but I think Lamar is, is, is more committed to being a quarterback, more committed to, to preparing. Obviously he's won an MVP and, and Kyler Murray got paid. There's no reason why Lamar shouldn't. 
you know, I, I, I wouldn't blame him not wanting to play under a franchise tag. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I thought potentially after him, you know, kind of sitting out toward the end of the year, I thought, yeah, I just don't know if this is going to end well for the Ravens here. Right. Um, but who knows, man? Yeah. No, that was the main thing I want to talk about. I honestly think we covered everything we needed to cover. You know, uh, we I think we went through all the coordinators and all the head coaching carousels and recap the conference championship. And we're going to have a episode later this week, specifically focusing on the Super Bowl. So we'll talk all, all that Jalen hurts, Patrick Mahomes, chiefs, Eagles. Can't wait for that game. It's going to be awesome. Regardless on, you know, if I pick the other two, uh, matchups to happen, uh, it's going to be awesome. Glad Hill Preston. You guys got anything else to add? If not great episode boys. Yes, sir. I'll catch y'all next. I'll catch y'all later this week. Have a good one. Peace out.